edition of Table Scraps Live. I'm your host, Evan Gigline, and from time to time we get email from listeners, the, you know, the, the few listeners that we have, of course, and uh, we had a request for someone to, to bring on someone to talk about speaking in tongues. And I knew the person to go to for that was Pastor Jim Wilson. He's the pastor of Resurrection Lutheran Church in the south coast of Oregon, and uh, he's here to talk to us uh, today about speaking in tongues. Pastor Wilson, thank you for joining us on Table Scraps. Oh, you're welcome, Evan. Good to hear from you again. And as far as speaking in tongues, what a wonderful, powerful gift of God has given us through by His Holy Spirit. Uh, that that is just I, I, the the church. I don't think could possibly exist uh, here in Oregon or or even out where you are in uh, off, off east in Oklahoma or anywhere in these United States without that gift of tongues. And in fact, I'm using it right now. <laughs> well, we're going to have you describe what you mean. Uh, well, first, tell our listeners why you are qualified to speak on the topic. Well, as I say, I am using the gift of, of <laughs> okay. tongues right now. Uh, but uh, uh, in addition to that, I, uh, I'm aware that there are... Um, how should we put it, an alternative reality, a different teaching when it comes to the gift of speaking in other tongues. And in fact, I was raised uh, in uh, uh, worshiping communities in, in uh, the sect that, uh, that actually promote that and kind of elevate that to their uh, main thing, uh, the Assemblies of God and the uh, Foursquare Gospel Church, which are both known as Pentecostalist uh, church bodies, uh, and uh, in fact um, found myself uh, very involved in that growing up, uh, being a youth missionary, uh, promoting that uh, all over the Pacific, and in fact uh, went to Evangel College, which was the uh, foremost uh, uh, Pentecostalist College at the time, at least. I, I understand now they, they call themselves a university. I, anyway, uh, but uh, I'm a graduate of Evangel College uh, and have taken their serious academic theology from the Pentecostalist uh, standpoint, which uh, I guess that, that, that qualifies me. Uh, I've also made uh, quite a study of uh, this doctrine or teaching of speaking in other tongues uh, from a Lutheran point of view, or I should say from a Christian, biblical point of view, and uh, because it was, it was something that I had to be completely convinced of in depth before I would be willing to abandon uh, the, uh, the training and teaching of my upbringing. We, we play a game on Table Talk Radio sometimes called Answer the Question As, and we, we spin a wheel... And we have to answer the question uh, from that theological perspective. But I'm going to set them up for you. I want you to first answer the question is, what is speaking in tongues from a Pentecostal view? And then I'm going to have you answer that as a Lutheran. So first, as a Pentecostal, what is speaking in tongues? Speaking in tongues, this is from the Pentecostalist view? Yes. Okay. Speaking in tongues is, 
is the unleashing of the Holy Ghost Shekinah glory upon us in these latter days, the days of the latter reigns, uh, in, in which uh, uh, we are moved to, to ecstatically uh, burst forth as evidence that we have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not simply uh, water baptism, which we which we, of course, undertake by full immersion, having made a decision to obey God's ordinances. But we are actually receiving the gift of God's Holy Ghost by, by uh, 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 giving uh, ecstatic utterance in literally uh, uh, foreign languages, which we do not know. In fact, in, in some cases, they, we, the gift of tongues may actually be in the language of the heavenly angels themselves. Now, as a Lutheran, what is speaking in tongues? Okay, I'm gonna breathe a bit there. Yeah, boy, you got worked boy. up there. You were playing the part, man. <laughs> no. Well, no, I didn't put on the accent. Oh, okay. <laughs> Jesus becomes a four-syllable word anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, the gift of speaking in tongues is the reverse of the curse that was laid on us when, in our sin, we sought to capture God's power at Babel and built a great tower. God confused our tongues. And from that point forward, he revealed himself to men, spoke to us. It was in the Hebrew language, the ancient Hebrew language. Uh, on the day of Pentecost, 50 days after our Lord rose from the dead, the disciples were sitting in one place in Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit came to them according to our Lord's promise. He said, the, the Comforter would come the paraclete, literally there, the guy who had their back. And uh, at that moment, in a, a very unusual way, the Holy Spirit showed himself present. There was a sound of a rushing wind and something like flames which settled upon the uh, heads of the disciples or the apostles. And they went out and began to tell the people who were in the streets in Jerusalem good news of Jesus. And as a matter of fact, we've got that, that good news recorded in the second chapter and third chapter and so on of, of Acts as, uh, as, well, it's actually all in the second chapter, as, as Peter's uh, version is recorded. He must have been the, the dude who was speaking in the local language, which would have been Aramaic, probably with some Hebrew thrown in. But they were all speaking the same lang the same the, the, the same stuff. They knew what they were saying. It was comprehensible or understandable to the people who were around them. It was not for nothing that all of a sudden somebody started to speak in whatever language because there was somebody there who could understand what they were saying. So they were all hearing it. There's also no indication that uh, the Holy Apostles ever lost that facility to speak in those many different languages. 
Uh, and in fact, uh, if we look at early church history, we see the apostles going out into those very areas, delivering God's good news. It was reversing the curse. God was allowing us to hear his word, his good news, no matter what language we spoke. And in fact, would also hear us and receive our prayers in whatever language we speak. So as I say, I'm speaking to you in tongues right now, because I'm speaking to you not in ancient Hebrew. I don't know if you've noticed that, Evan. I'm not speaking in Hebrew. I, I knew it was either English or Hebrew. I was between the two. So I'm, I'm speaking actually in a language that wouldn't even talk about a miracle. This language that I'm speaking to you in now wouldn't even recognizably exist for uh, something like a thousand years after that day. And in fact, you know, we're, I'm now speaking to you in the modern dialect of... Uh, West Coast American English, you know, uh, but that's that's the gift of tongues that we can talk about the the mighty things God has done. We can speak His word, His great good news, and we can also say back to God the things which He has promised to us in our prayers. And uh, it's the reverse of the curse of the Tower of Babel. There you go. That's the Lutheran. Very good. Uh- What's your, if you if you can remember, what's your first memory of uh, speaking in tongues in the Assemblies of God Church? And uh, I wonder if you remember what you thought of it at first. Well, my my first <laughs> when when uh, I, I I don't remember a time when I wasn't kind of immersed in that stuff uh, as as a little one growing up. But um, in fact, one of my first memories in church was uh, Grandpa Wilson. Is actually the Four Square Church in Coos Bay, right next door here to North Bend. Uh, he handed me a nickel to put into the into the offering bag as it came by, but I knew an ice cream cone at the, at the Dairy Queen was also a nickel, so I wouldn't put it in until he promised to buy me an ice cream cone. Anyway, um, now the uh, the first time <laughs> I got that ice cream cone, so the, the the first time it, it kind of became something I uh, knew that I should should do. Um, I guess I was eight years old and had gone off to uh, summer Bible camp uh, up in the Coast Range, not too far from here. And um, in the evening chapels, you had a morning uh, chapel for about an hour, and then you would have a little break, and you'd have uh, a couple of hours of, of uh, Bible instruction, and then you'd do lunch and crafts and uh then you'd come back for the evening service after dinner, which would go about three hours. And that was that, that's very typical. So when people, well, my Lutheran congregation sometimes worries that my sermon has gone 20 minutes and it's too long, I remind them that I grew up on 90-minute, two-hour sermons. <laughs> anyway, um, a- after after the evening service, uh, the, the uh, uh, ministers were really trying to get all of us boys and girls baptized in the Holy Ghost that week. Uh, we needed to talk in tongues, and finally got to be about Wednesday, and I knew the jig was up, because uh, Thursday was our last night. You don't want to be the, you know, the last kid there. Right. So, so, uh, <laughs> so uh, uh, um, I, I went up for you know at the at the end of the service during the altar call you know as, as they were playing you know there's room at the cross for you or 
uh, you know, the other altar call songs that would just go on endlessly, endlessly, endlessly into the night. And I, I went up and, and, uh, and uh, I don't know if it was the preacher, one of the uh, counselors asked why I was there, and I said, well, it's time for me to start speaking in tongues, and by which I meant, you know, something I didn't understand. And uh, so they, they got me knelt down there, and before I knew it, you know, they, they they started you know praying with me and and uh, and uh, it was like nothing was coming to mind other than I was thinking about the salmon berries I'd stolen that afternoon from one of the bushes. And it was kind of getting boring actually, and then but I was hot and I was un- uncomfortable, and then finally the counselor was saying, well, you know, try to try to pray like this, and if if just some sounds come into your mind, just go ahead and say them, and. Um, which is a dangerous to thing to say to a mom. kid, right? Well, yeah. <laughs> like, you're ugly. <laughs> you smell bad, yeah. No, but, but uh, yeah, I, 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 I really, you know, this was, this was so far as I understood, this, was, this is how it goes. This is what you're supposed to do, boy. You know, this, is, this is when you really get to be a real Christian in the fullest sense, you know, because now you've got the Holy Spirit. Now, of course, you could be a Christian without the Holy Spirit, but that was just, you know kind of a bargain basement uh, Kmart level of Christianity. You'd get, you'd, you'd, get, you'd get the single wide trailer at the edge of heaven, you know, no stars in your mouth. Uh, but you, so you needed the Holy Ghost, right? And so I'm, I'm, I'm kneeling there and uh, sweating, and pretty soon, you know, the emotions of it all, and, and, and I think as, the, <laughs> as, as uh, everybody else was accomplishing their, their tasks of getting, you know, getting the, uh, the kids to speak in tongues, uh, more and more hands were laid on my head and my back and my neck and my shoulders, and I started really, you know, and these people are, are shouting and praying and crying and slobbering and drooling, and uh, <laughs> soon my nose started running, and, uh, and it was all very, very emotional, and before you knew it, I was barking like a chicken. I was babbling. <laughs> and... Uh, and that, 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 so that was it. <laughs> I wonder uh, what it's like for maybe the, the first few times or especially maybe even for the adults because it sounded like uh, that was um, – we, we also we, – we're just full of games here on Table Talk Radio. We also have this game where we play – we have a checklist on how to tell if you're being emotionally manipulated by a youth speaker. And it sounds like you got the whole list right there. Um, oh, yeah. But, but I wonder how it is, especially for adults who come in and maybe – um, uh, try this speaking in tongues for the first time. Um, if they if they you know think that okay, I just I just need to kind of force these these noises, or is it again an, another emotional response? Or how? What's your reaction to that kind of the first experience of speaking in tongues? Yeah, I I I, I think I think the the um, conditions really don't change. We don't really change as we get older. I knew a guy who turned 108 years old. And he, he said the only reason that he knew that he wasn't a kid anymore before he opened his eyes in the morning uh, was that when he opened his eyes, they made a little clicky sound. <laughs> that didn't happen when I was a child. But uh, uh, you know, we all want to be we all want to be in the in group. We all want to sit with the cool kids. Uh, and uh, uh, you know the the emotional manipulation, the sense, and you know what we we all have this sense, we all have this sense that we we've never really really gotten it. There's 
must be more. There must be more. You know, it's like that old, uh, old, uh, uh, was it Patty Page or whatever, old country song. Is that all? Well, then I'll just keep dancing. You know, and we people are looking for more all the time. And you know, you you can manipulate that. I don't care if you're if you're eight or eighty-eight. Um, and and you know what? If you get yourself into a, a state, or you're put into a state of heightened expectation, um, you know, very often these uh, altar call type services will last hour after hour after hour. It's late; you get disassociated from the rest of the world. Uh, your universe collapses into just the people who are around you and with you. And before you know it, you are making uh, all sorts of odd noises. Uh, because that's 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 the the pass key that gets you in with the cool kids, you know, uh, and and it feels good, you know. And if it feels so good, and if it feels so, if it's wrong to feel so good, you know, who wants to be right? So I think I think there's a lot of emotional manipulation and a lot of um, preying on our own insecurities, our own sense that yeah, we're missing stuff. My wife assures me I miss stuff all the time, and that's just when I'm trying to find my, my socks. <laughs> um, if I were attending some of the churches of which you're describing, um, and I just said straight out, look, I, I don't do it. I don't, I don't speak in tongues. Uh, what would I be told about my spiritual life from, from these kinds of churches? Well, you know, they'd say, well, that's, that's all right, you know. Uh, some folks just just aren't at that level yet, uh, you know. And you, uh, so y- you might you might just still be a, a Christian who's just who's just nursing. You might be a milk Christian, and, hmm. uh, and that's all right. But at a certain point, Evan, for goodness sakes, it's time to give up that bottle hmm. and start to get really into the deep things of God and, and get you know tuck into a good thick spiritual stake, you know, and, and I mean, you can be, uh, according to, and I'm speaking Pentecostally now, if that's a word, if it's not, it should be, <laughs> uh, if, 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 if um, you can be a, a Christian, because you become a Christian not by the movement of the Holy Spirit or by the action of God, but by your own uh, decision to commit your heart to the Lord, to give your heart to Him wholly. But of course, now, Evan, as you've made that decision to follow Jesus, you know you need to you need to be consistent with that. And, and it sounds to me like perhaps you you've withheld some little part of of your of your heart from Jesus. Now you're still a Christian, but you might just not be fully converted. If you were, surely you'd receive the Holy Ghost and you'd begin to, you'd begin to uh, show evidence of His presence and indwelling and baptism by speaking in tongues. Right. Okay, stop. You're starting to make me feel so guilty already. <laughs> I said, please stop. You're making me feel guilty already. Uh, one more question before well, we look of at... Of course. That's, that's, the whole, that's the whole basis of, of, of that sort of Christianity. It's making people feel like they're on the outs and inferior and guilty. Yeah. Uh, one more question before we look at some of these texts that deal with speaking in tongues. Uh, do you happen to know historically where we start seeing this kind of a ecstatic speech uh, Speaking in tongues. Do you know where that comes from historically? Historically, uh, 
Whew. You know, you, you, you get that. As far as within Christianity, I think there's always been a little bit on the edges. Um, in the very early uh, church, you would have had, uh, like, oh, the Gnostics who, who were looking for hidden knowledge and uh, some of the other uh, groups uh, who were really, you know, proclaiming uh, heretical teachings that I think would have gotten into some ecstatic mystery type of stuff. But you, you actually had uh, people uh, going on and, and, and making sounds that they were claiming was an unknown or godly language or something like that, uh, going uh, a long way back into the uh, Eastern mystical religions. Uh, I think you would have been uh, in pretty good company if you'd started speaking in tongues uh, among the... Uh, uh, the the cult of Isis and Osiris and uh, Dagon and Baal and uh, early Hinduism and, and like that. Uh, the ecstatic experiences. Maybe some of my own uh, Celtic ancestors, you know, would have would have been familiar with that if they were, you know, sacrificing each other or whatever it was they did. Um, this is, in other words, this is not a uniquely Christian phenomenon. This happens in in the uh, in paganism um, throughout history. Let's take a look at uh, a, a Bible verse that I was told is uh, talking about speaking in tongues, uh, and that is Romans eight twenty six. It says, "In the same way, the Spirit also helps our weakness. For if we do not know how to pray as we should, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words." Are the groanings too deep for words here speaking about uh, an, uh, some sort of a prayer language to heaven that, that is um, ununderstandable to, to human language? No. Oh, would you like me to elaborate? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, why not? No, it, 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 yeah, okay, oh, all right. Uh, no, it, uh, those, those groanings, there are things, there are times, you know, let me put it this way, uh, earlier this week... Um, Ann and I celebrated our 28th wedding anniversary, and I started really kind of thinking about that. You know, that means I've been married to the, the same woman for seven years, four times. <laughs> uh, not that I remarried her, but, you know, right. it's like 28, four times, something. Anyway, uh, uh, and, and uh, I started thinking about how I felt about that. And, what, and, and, and even intellectually, let's get that F word out of the way, the Felix word. Even intellectually, what this means in my life, what she means to me. Dude, I'm pretty good in English. I, I can't, I, I can't even begin to, to tell you what this means. I mean, I love her, but, okay, now I'm talking about my wife and, and, and you're getting, you know, uh, uh, rambling and mumblings and, and, and lots of glottal stops and silences because words fail me. Okay, if there's even a, 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 a there's a, an even greater depth, an infinitely greater depth of, of the love which God has for us, which we begin to reflect back to Him in, in His grace and His mercy, that just, it goes beyond how I can express it. And, and my needs go beyond what my words can express. And at a certain point, I just, 
I just stop. I, you give up. And, and that promise is saying, you know what? God knows exactly what you mean. You know, you can't even put it into words. You can't, you can't even plumb the depth of your own heart when it comes to things like that. God knows. That's what that means. Okay. Isn't that cool? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's take a look at uh, 1 Corinthians 12, where Paul addresses the Corinthians and, and many of these um, spiritual gifts that are at play. Um, let's look, oh, I don't know, let's maybe verse 28 here. Um, the, whole chapter, oh, okay. the whole chapter really deals with this, but uh, 28 says, yeah. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. Um, th- yeah. This would seem to back up what you say, that that, the, that tongues is not some sort of a uh, gift in the sense of that, that the real Christians have it uh, and, and you know, the baby <laughs> Christians don't, um, but that, right. the, that these are the kinds of gifts the Lord has given the church. Right. Right, and, you know, Paul makes the claim that he speaks in tongues more than they all. Well, he was a very intelligent guy. I, you know, I would guess a guy probably had the equivalent of probably two earned doctorates, you know, uh, if we put it in today, today's academic setting. And he did. He spoke in a lot of different languages uh, to the various people he would go to. He'd learn their language and speak to them. What a wonderful gift. Um, and, you know, that that is a gift. You know, uh, uh you look at early missions, some of the great missionaries, we go back and we, we can really appreciate, like St. Patrick. What was, what was his trick? He learned uh, the Irish. He, he, he spoke to the Irish in, in their own tongue. Uh, the fact that he'd been held captive there as a teenager and, and held in slavery for several years probably really helped his ability to learn that language. But, but he was able to tell them the good news of Jesus in their own tongue, uh, so that uh, that's that's uh, that's the gift, you know. And uh, uh, Cyril and Methodius, as they went into the uh, into the east, the uh, Slavic peoples. Uh, uh, these are these are wonderful gifts that God has given. And and how I admire uh, some 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 of the folks I've met in life who know this language or that language, and they aren't just so sort of academically competent in it, but they can. You know, they can they can hold forth with an audience and uh, be perfectly well understood in in a in a language they had been uh, uh, gifted to to learn so well. What a wonderful thing to take that and put it to the use of telling the most important news of all, the good news of Jesus, to those people. Well, that's the gift of tongues. I notice also in in uh, that listing that you read. Evidently, bookkeepers. They must. They must really. They must be doing the prime rib because they come ahead of the various types of tongues. Because you have the administra- administrations, all right, and helpers. <laughs> so I think that's bookkeeping. Right. Probably janitors. <laughs> right. Uh huh. No. Yeah. Well, that's what it is. Somebody's got to take out the garbage, right? <laughs> right. Uh, one more passage out of First Corinthians twelve uh, eight through ten. For to one is given the word of wisdom through the Spirit, and to another the word of knowledge according to the same Spirit. Uh, to another, faith by the same Spirit, and to another, gifts 
of healings by the one spirit, and to another the effecting of miracles, and to another prophecy, and to the another the uh, distinguishing of spirits, and to another various kinds of tongues, and then to another the interpretation of tongues. Uh, so here, uh, oh, the interpretation of of tongues that that Paul asks that uh, I shouldn't say asks so that that Paul commands that there should be interpretation of tongues, um, and, and not then. So, so the the Pentecostal churches here will say that okay, there's there's people who are now speaking in tongues uh, who have that gift, and then there's uh, others who have the gift of interpretation who can take this this weird tongue that no one's ever heard before and now tell you what it means. Is yeah. that is that right? Yeah. Well, yeah, and and in uh, in fact, that's that's something that uh, I remember as a teenager. You know, that was kind of the next step you know and on your on your road to uh to you know in your christian growth from being a milk-fed christian to a steak-eating christian to the i guess you the end is you're supposed to eat a raw living rhinoceros or something but anyway <laughs> um <laughs> what an image i can't unsee that in my mind's eye now <laughs> anyway um and and uh, uh as we were getting ready to go out for a week of missionary activity uh and this actually was uh, in the Portland area when I was a kid. Uh, uh, one evening, uh, somebody spoke in tongues, and I knew, okay, time to step up, time to, to, to man up and, and give an interpretation. And so they spoke, and then I gave my interpretation of the tongues. And then, and then I, I actually kind of stopped after a while. I know everybody was, was happy with it, but... I felt really cheesy and really, really guilty because, you know what, Evan? I had just uh, rehearsed all the other so-called interpretations of tongues that I'd heard over the years. You know, it was was, um, sort of generic, oh, the Lord has said, uh, you know, be good and eat cheese. That wasn't it. But uh, (laughs) it was just just the same drivel, uh, almost content-free, but kind of, holy sounding that that uh, that I heard all along it was an interpretation it was uh, just hey you know, I'm the cool kid look at me I'm biting the, the living rhino would 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 the people in the churches that you um, ha- attended would they make any kind of a distinction between the word of God that's come to us by holy scripture and then there's kind of the the, the, the subpar word from the guy speaking in tongues and giving it to us through the word the gift of interpretations, or would this word given to us by the gift of tongues and the gift of interpretation be then on this on the same level then of holy scripture? Well, Evan, I'm going to claim I'm going to claim a great age here and say that you know what I'm describing to you is something that. Um, I have not personally been a part of for about a third of a century now. Oh boy, bring me my walker and uh, my insurer. Oh my! Your eyelids anyway. will be clicking before you know it. <laughs> I was, and I was an adult convert too. Anyway, uh, uh, and so I can't speak for what's going on right now. And some of the things I'm hearing um, out of out of Pentecostalism really kind of make me wonder if this is still current information, but. I can tell you that at the time that I was involved in this, and we're talking uh, ending 
toward the late 70s, um, that, uh, yeah, there was, there was an understanding that, yeah, this is God's Word. However, God's Word cannot contradict itself. Therefore, uh, what you hear somebody, uh, when, they, when they prophesy, sometimes people just prophesy. I always thought that was kind of cool. They just do it in English. Uh, when, <laughs> <laughs> when people would prophesy or they would give an interpretation of tongues, uh, that it had the message had to be consistent, couldn't contradict uh, what you had in the Bible. It couldn't contradict, and it could add stuff. You could have the the uh, uh, the Toronto blessing from a few years ago, which was this idea of uh, breaking out into holy laughter, uh, and then of course that became. Uh, oh, uh, well, even before that, you had the slaying in the spirit where people would pass out. Uh, now, the, you don't find anything in the Bible that says anything about that, but on the other hand, you don't see anything that says you can't, so, oh, all right, you know. Uh, so is that God's Word? Yeah, that's God's Word, because it doesn't contradict any verse of the Bible. So that was kind of, it was, it was kind of, uh, yeah, it's God's Word, and it's inspired, but it's sort of God's Word with, with an asterisk, sort of like that baseball game the other day in, uh, what was that, Detroit? Oh, yeah, <laughs> the perfect game that got ruined by the last call. Yeah, so there should be an asterisk next, <laughs> to, uh, next to that game and 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 uh, perhaps tattooed on the forehead of that empire. Uh, and of the baseball, or the commissioner of, of, of Major League Baseball, because any of the dude ought to turn that over. But anyway, anyway, I'm sorry, we're talking baseball. Um, uh, so, yeah, it's, it's God's word, but, and that was actually a test. If you, if you could show a verse where it con- something contradicted God's word, uh, then then you would have to say, well, okay, then that's not God's word. There's an asterisk on it. That's that's the invalid tongues. Otherwise, yeah, you're you're good to go. Okay. Of course, nobody would remember it, you know, two weeks from then. And so, I guess, what does that mean that 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 was God's inspired and inerrant word, but nobody remembers it two weeks later? <laughs> um, there's no there's no record of it. How would you respond to someone who says to you, it says, Pastor, I, I heard about uh, this, this science experiment where they're, they're analyzing people's uh, brains when, when they're doing this, this prayer language in a, in a heavenly language, and um, the, the parts of the brain that are normally active during regular speech uh, are not active during this language, which would suggest that this person is not using... Uh, their their brain for language, but it must be the spirit interceding uh, using their their voice boxes. How do you respond to that? Well, it's been my uh, not pleasure, but experience to have witnessed uh, people going into grand mal epileptic seizures, and of course uh, the normal uh, por- parts of the brain that you would use for uh, uh, moving your hands and legs and and facial muscles. Uh, may not be working in any sort of uh, normal way, and other parts of your brain may be, in fact, taking over at that moment, that doesn't mean that that's from the Holy Spirit. That means you're going through a grand mal seizure and some horrible things are actually going on. There's kind of like a lightning storm in your brain. When it comes to... so so uh, and, 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 and uh, other cultures have interpreted grand mal epileptic seizures as being something that was being done by spirits or gods or something. Okay, that's analogous here. If you see, just just to see a phenomena and to recognize, hey, you know what? 
uh, the speech centers of your brain are really not working as they normally do, and maybe some other areas are, are lighting up um, on an EEG uh, or in a CAT scan. I suppose if you get somebody to speak in tongues in a CAT scan machine. Wow, that would be good. Hmm. Um, that uh, that does, just just to to observe that uh, that observed uh, source of of, uh, of of where this is coming from in the brain doesn't necessarily mean anything supernatural is going on at all. On the other hand, let me let me open it up to the possibility that you know what it very well may be something spiritual is going on, uh, and I'm reminded here of. Um, Martin Luther's decision to become a monk, uh, you remember that uh, it was during a horrible lightning storm that uh, Luther uh, promised St. Anne that uh, if, if she saved him, he would become a monk, and so he did. And uh, a few years later, as he was ordained into the priesthood, Hans, his father, uh, was finally able to have a word with his son for the first time since he had made that vow and then had entered into the monastery and, and he asked, well, you know, what's the, in so many words, I'm paraphrasing Hans, what's up with that? And, and Martin said, well, Father, it, 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 was, it, was, it was the spirit. And Hans, according to the record, looked at him and said, how do you know it was the Holy One? Hmm. There are spirits out there. How do you know it was the Holy Spirit? Uh, some of this stuff, um, you know, how does this stuff even get started? I, I'm, I'm inclined to believe, yeah, there's a spiritual source to bad spiritual teaching and practice, but it's not from the Holy Spirit. You know, uh, we've got the uh, the existence of uh, the demonic hordes and and Satan himself to contend with too in this in this valley of the shadow of death and uh that's something where we have to be very very careful you know and 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 test that spirit how do we test it? we test it by saying wait a second where do we see this as a prescribed behavior or a prescribed thing to do in god's word you know the printed stuff that we all will remember two weeks from now uh because if it's not well yeah that might have come from a spirit but it wasn't the holy one Pastor, I, you've been very generous with your time. I have two more questions for you, if you have time. Okay, sure. Okay, uh, give us uh, kind of an explanation of First uh, Corinthians thirteen eight, nine, and ten, which say, uh, "Love never fails, but there are gifts of prophecy; they will be done away. If there are tongues, they will cease. If there is knowledge, it will be done away. For we know in part and prophesy in part." But when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. What is St. Paul referring to there? Well, 1 Corinthians, uh, along with the Gospel according to Matthew, I, I guess they always run kind of neck and neck uh, as scholars try to figure out which was the first book of the New Testament that was written. Uh, the whole of the New Testament had yet to be written, I think we can safely say, uh, except maybe the Gospel according to Matthew uh, was out there. But, but at this point in the very early Church, the Holy Apostles were out there speaking God's Word, and uh, as, as the occasion arose, they were writing it down for, for us. 
And so in the meantime, what was going on? They were, they were, speaking, they were speaking God's Word. And the word for that is prophesying, to speak God's Word with authority and publicly. And, and uh, they were uh, out there basically doing retail uh, mission work, retail ministry, and along with that, there were some, I think, extraordinary signs that were given. In the third chapter of Acts, you have the, the healing of of the man at the beautiful gate at the temple who's uh, laid there lame. Uh, you have many other uh, events like that, uh, which were basically given as proof that, you know, this, this what these guys are saying, this is, this is legit, this is valid. Um, and, and then they would always attach that to the word of the Lord, which they did have, uh, which was the Old Testament scriptures. Uh, but as I think what Paul is talking about here is as this stuff is committed, as, as the, the body of, of God's word is completed here in the writing of the New Testament, you're going to see these other things, these unusual first-generation things are going to no longer have a purpose. Those are going to go away. Miracles can still happen, but it's not a, it's not a constant thing anymore, as I think it, it more was uh, in, that, in that first generation. We've got God's Word, though, which is the most tremendous miracle. Uh, and we've got God's Word in all the, all the different tongues of men now. And, uh, and so that's how God is is, is working. He is inhabiting, according to his promise, he is inhabiting or in, uh, filling his word with his Holy Spirit so that as we read it, his, the Holy Spirit is literally expiring his word, breathing out his word into our hearts and minds, creating faith to believe in him. And, and, and that inspires us uh, by his Holy Spirit. We receive his Holy Spirit by hearing his word, by having his word washed over us in holy baptism and 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 uh, uh so those those other uh, um i guess we would say more showy things um those, those are gone now those are gone can they happen i guess sure they can but uh there's no promise you get a description of it but not a prescription of it and uh, paul there is saying yeah, that that would be the case that there would come a time and it wouldn't be very long kind of funny. The Old Testament took, uh, what was it, about, uh, it was over a thousand years to write. The New Testament, it was uh, from soup to nuts, or I should say from Matthew to the Revelation. It was it was done within uh, within half a century. And, and now, here in the New Testament, these, these things abide, verse 13, but now faith, hope, love abide these three, but the greatest of these is love. And so uh, now, uh, here after the uh, time of the Apostles, uh, we abide here uh, with the uh, w- with God's holy word, and are strengthened in in faith, hope, and love. Yes, what you said, Evan. Okay, good. Uh, okay, finally, that's exactly then, right. Yeah. <laughs> wrap wrap it up for us, Pastor. Uh, what is this uh, that we are to proclaim? Uh, what is that you're given to proclaim with your tongue? Uh, the message of which which God would would have us proclaim to the world. Well, it's 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 the news that the reverse mohawk is is required for everyone to show their piety. You've got to you've got to shave a strip right down the middle of your head. No, that's not it at all. Like, but, fact, <laughs> we we call. It, I, I just made that up. Um, <laughs> no, it, 
and in fact, it's 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 not just something we make up as we go along, or something that seems really important to me today. No, what we are to what we are given is the word that has been placed into our hands. That's the word that we are to be proclaiming with our mouths. Read that word, God's holy word, the good news that God loves you so much that He became one of us and and uh, without sin of his own became sin in our place and he, t- he took the uh, he took the penalty for your sin and for mine on on him and he paid it he paid it infinitely in his death and now he's destroyed the power of death over us and to uh, show us that yeah he really did he rose from the dead in other words, he really did truly die, and he got better. Um, and 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 this is this is for you, and this is and this is uh, uh, as, as Peter talks in, in very often Acts two is used as as a proof text for uh, speaking in tongues. But but you know when when they take the words to heart, they they, they shout out to Peter, men and brothers, what shall we do? And he, he says, repent, be baptized things for you and for your children and for all who are far off. That even includes the Oregon Coast. It, it even includes Norman, Oklahoma, where you're finishing your vicarage. Hey. Uh, and, and that's the good news we're supposed to be telling, the good news of Jesus. We have been talking with uh, Pastor Jim Wilson. He's a pastor of Resurrection Lutheran Church in uh, South, Southern, uh, South Coast, Oregon. Uh, about speaking We're in, in North tongues. Bend, in Bandon, and in Port Orford starting this coming Sunday. We'll, we'll start in Port Orford as well. Oh, that's great. Hey, uh, Pastor Wilson, thank you so much for being on the program. We really appreciate your time. Well, thank you, Evan. It's really great hearing from you again. This uh, topic of speaking in tongues for this Table Scraps came to us by a listener, so we would like to hear from you what other topics and discussions you would like to hear. Give us a a call at 866-851-5523 to leave a comment or question, uh, or you can send send me an email, evan at tabletalkradio.org. That's 866-851-5523 or evan at tabletalkradio.org. We thank you for listening to this edition of Table Scraps, a production of Table Talk Radio. See you next time.